Om Sam Sarasvati Namaha. Namaste. Namaste, everybody. Uh, this evening on page 140 uh, of the book called Srima, the Guru and the Goddess, we're going to begin with verse 106 of the Guru Gita. And in a, verse 105, we were talking, uh, uh, Shiva was telling Parvati, Oh, Parvati, the guru can protect a disciple even cursed by a muni, a celestial being, or even the gods, and even saves him or her from the fear of time and death. And can you imagine that? Even if a, a disciple is cursed, even if she does something really dumb, the guru can save her. But he could even save her from the fear of the time and death. And you know what? It's not the death he's going to save you from. He's going to save you from fear at that time. So if you are in love with the guru and you're thinking about the guru, then you go to the guru, you forget all about leaving your body and transitioning out of this transient world and moving into the eternal relationship with the eternal soul. So let's begin with verse 106. Without energy are the gods and others. Without energy are the munis as well. Because of a curse by the guru, they may quickly become exhausted of this. There is no doubt. If the guru says, you lose all your shakti, you lose all your energy. The guru's inspiration is our energy. So without energy, everybody loses their energy unless they're in love with the guru and the guru is giving the blessing all the time. Oh, goddess, this is the king of mantras, guru, comprised of two letters, gu and ru. The Puranas and Vedas define the meaning of guru as the actual supreme among the highest. Only those who perform selfless expressions of love for the guru have understood the wisdom of the Vedas and Puranas. They have attained to sannyas, the establishment of truth within. Others are merely making a pretense of renunciation. If you don't serve your guru with love, if you, it's not a privilege to do everything you, we do because we love the guru, then uh, we're only making a pretense of being a sannyasi. We're making a pretense of renunciation. Only those who have love and serve the guru with love, they understood the wisdom of the Vedas. They understood what the Puranas are teaching. They're living the teaching. They're not just talking about it. The eternal, supreme divinity beyond form and attributes is known as the supreme. Within all is the inexplicable supreme divinity, just as all lights are illuminated by one light. So the radiance that every object radiates, expresses, is just the, the reflection of the one light. And that one light is the light of the guru. The guru lives in all. And if we love her, we love her in all. 
And if we don't love her in all, we don't love her. The Guru gives, gives the prasad of grace, defined as what you do is what you get, and by which the individual soul is perceived by means of this path of the Guru, the wisdom of one's own soul arises. That is, the, the, the Guru's grace is prasad. And the prasad of our offering, kripa, do get. The prasad of our offering is the consecrated offering that the Guru has blessed and given to us. And that is the offering by which the soul is perceived. You can't perceive your own soul without grace. And you can't get the grace without doing something. You gotta do in order to get. And that's the grace. And by means of this path, the wisdom of one's own soul arises. It just grows and gets bigger and bigger and better and brighter and lighter. It's the grace of the Guru. It's the love by which we serve the Guru which makes that bhavana, that feeling, that attitude arise. I bow to she who alone manifests the universe of that which moves and moves not. The Guru. From Brahma, the supreme divinity, to a blade of grass, she is the intrinsic nature of the supreme soul of existence. From Brahma to a blade of grass. It's all her. And there is nowhere where she is not. She is the intrinsic nature, the swabhav, the prakriti. Stavaram jagamam jeva pranamami jaganmayam. She is the manifestation of the perceivable universe. Jaganmayam. Pranamami, we bow down. Cheva, who and who is only, who alone is uh, the, 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 activating principle within all that is established. She is from Brahma to a blade of grass, the intrinsic nature of the supreme soul of existence. I worship true existence, consciousness, and bliss. Satchit Ananda. Beyond all distinctions. Behind Atit. Atit, it's a beyond. Beyond all bed, all distinctions, all the divisions. Bedatit, who always as my guru. She is eternal, nityam, full, complete, and perfect, purnam, nirakaram, beyond the attributes, nirgunam, without qualities, swatma, swatma, stitam, resides in harmony with her own soul. Swa-atma-stitam. She is in harmony with her own soul. Meditate upon that being who is higher than the highest. She is the cause of eternal bliss. She resides within the space of your heart and illuminates the purest clarity. 
just as one sees in a mirror the clear reflection of the image which stands before it. Just so, uniting so and hum. Hum is Purush, and so is Prakriti. Hum is I, Aham, and so is other, that which is nature. Uniting so and hum, nature and consciousness in the ultimate bliss. Ah, the individual soul is the reflection of infinite consciousness. Tata Atmani, Chid Akaram, Anandam, Soham, Ityata. She is so hum, just like nature and consciousness, just like Purush and Prakriti, just like your Shankya philosophy. She is the union that all comes into the Ardhanarishwar. She is so hum. She is Purush Prakriti. She is Shiva Shakti. She is Guru. Listen as I speak of that full, complete, and perfect conscious being, the Purush, which is meditated upon as the size of a thumb within the heart, where she gives rise to an attitude of awareness. That's bhava. And that bhava has an intensity of reality. It's a bhavana. It's an, a, a, how intensely real is it to you? How intensely do you feel it? How intensely do you perceive it? How intensely do you grok it? I love your dress. I love the food you cook. Yum, yum. I love my girlfriend. <laughs> I love my guru. I love my God. I love life. These are all different intensities of love, different intensities of the bhavana, of the attitude, the intensity of the reality of this attitude to me at this moment in time. The, these are all, the, it, it, where it gives rise to an attitude of awareness and an intensity of reality of that attitude. How real is that attitude to you when you contemplate it? Obviously, when you close your eyes and, and move into the mantra, you have one intensity of meditation. But when you move into deep samadhi, you have another intensity of meditation. In this way, your bhavana, the intensity of reality to you at that time of your perception is different. And you, can, you can't quantify it, but you can distinguish between what is, how sweet is the sweet? It's a little sweet. It's, it's not sweet, it's really sweet. Well, that's your bhavana. Parvati, she is imperceptible and unknowable. 
without name or form. There is no word by which the intrinsic nature of supreme divinity can be known. She is neti neti. She is not this and she's not that. You can't put your finger on it. What is she? You can say what she's not, but you can't really describe what she is. You could say she's all and everything, but then that, in what bhavana? In what intensity of reality is she? It's easier to say she's not this and she's not that. So she is, there is no word by which the intrinsic nature of supreme divinity, nishabdam, nishabdam, there is no word, no shabda, nishabdam, tvabijaniyat, swabhavam. How can you describe her intrinsic nature, her swabhav? Just as scent is the intrinsic nature of camphor and various flowers, and hot and cold and others are various intrinsic natures in existence. I mean, some things are hot, some things are cold. Uh, there are various natures in existence. You look at snow, it's always cold. Funny about that. Its nature is to be cold. Uh, you look at fire, it's always hot. It just doesn't vary. Sometimes it's really hot. <laughs> but the intensity of, of reality varies, but the nature, the intrinsic nature of the element of fire doesn't vary. Just as hot and cold are, uh, and others are various intrinsic natures in existence, just so supreme divinity is without an end. You can't measure the end of infinity. When one sees all manifested existence as his own, and he alone is established everywhere, then the perceptions of worms and bees and other objects of nature, anything you see in the nature, becomes the meditation of that, as in Tatvamasi. You look at any item of creation, any manifested thing in existence, and it's the same contemplation as God. You see the guru everywhere. You see the supreme divinity everywhere. You love her in every form. You serve her in every form, just as you would, uh, you would perceive a worm or a bee or any other object of nature in the same way you'd see your guru, you'd see God. She's everywhere. When one meditates upon the guru, he himself becomes the manifestation of supreme divinity. Brahma eva brahma bhapanti. Who knows the supreme divinity becomes the supreme divinity. He is liberated in Pinda, which is a consecrated offering, it's like prasad. In pada, the sacred syllables, like the pada of the text. And in rup, which is the form. Of this, there is no doubt. Now, the respected Parvati asked, Sri Parvati Uacha, what is consecrated offering? A pinda, O great Lord. And what are the syllables, the pada, that rise in the heart? 
What is beyond form and what is form? Oh, Sankar, the cause of peace, please explain this to me. I, I want to know what is Pinda, Pada, and Rup. Those are the three aspects of divinity in sadhana which become manifest as we perform our sadhana. And the respected great Lord Mahadev Sri Mahadev Bacha, he said the consecrated offering is the energy known as Kundalini. That's the individual energy which we bring up from the Muladhara to unite with the consciousness in the Zatzar. The syllables that rise in the heart are hum and sa. So hum. Form is known as the bindu, one-pointed awareness. That's the first form of existence. The form which manifests from Shabda Brahman, the infinite sound, the infinite spandana, the vibration of the supreme divinity, which is infinite beyond conception, manifest as a form in the Bindu. So when the, you have the infinite making himself or herself manifest, she becomes a Bindu. And the Bindu expands into Hamsa which are the pada, the two syllables. Uh, and the pada is expressed as uh, a, a pinda, which is the kundalini, the mool, of the, uh, the, the root energy of kundalini as it rises from the muladhara to the sasra. This is the sadhana. And that which is beyond the form is infinite. So we started with the infinite, beyond form. It manifested as form, bindu. The bindu manifested as a, uh, a pada, two syllables, that is so hum, purush prakriti, shiva shakti, I am that. And the pada manifests as kundalini energy, as the, pin, as the pinda. And pinda is also a consecrated offering. That's what we said in the first place. Consecrated offering huh? is the energy. That's the offering. I'm offering the energy from the muladhara to the sasra. We become a servant with love. We want to bring that energy up the, the shushuna and pierce the various chakras as we move up through the, the shak chakra bed. We pierce the various six chakras, bringing the energy up from the through the shushuna to the sahasra, where we unite Shiva with Shakti. They become Soha. They become Guru. And that which is beyond form is infinite. Pretty clear. Oh, giver of bones, liberation is attained in consecrated offerings. You can get liberated by bringing your kundalini shakti up and making that union in the sahasra. Liberation is attained in the sacred syllables if you get into the bhava of so 
Hamsa. You become a swan, a Hamsa, that has the discrimination that leaves them water and drinks the milk. She the, has the capacity to fly on high. She becomes a Paramahamsa, which is the supreme soul who flies, takes that Kundalini energy all the way up to Shiva. Liberation is also attained, is attained also in that which is beyond form. Liberation is attained in form, that's in the Bindu. So we bring up this uh, Kundalini Shakti, we unite Shiva and Shakti, and they form a Bindu. And we enter the Bindu. And liberation is, also atta is attained also in that which is beyond form. We go back to the formless. So the formless came into form in the form of Bindu. The Bindu manifested as the duality of Shiva and Shakti, or Purush Prakriti, or Soham. And the Soham manifested as the Kundalini energy, which is a consecrated offering. Now we're going to bring that consecrated offering of energy back to the Sahasrar. We're going to energize that Shiva in the Sahasrar. We're going to unite the two, Purush and Prakriti, So and Ham, into one in the Bindu. We enter into the Bindu, into Nirakar Brahman, and we go into the infinite beyond conception. And that's the meditation. From the consecrated offering in Pinda to the syllables of Pada to the Bindu of one-pointed meditation to the infinite beyond conception. Oh, giver of bones, we did that. Without who resides in the liberation beyond form is liberated without a doubt. So the highest samadhi is nirakar. It's beyond form. We're in samadhi without form. You know, we've gone from a bhav samadhi to a savikalpa samadhi to a nirvikalpa samadhi, and then we're gone. And who resides in the liberation of Nirakar, of Nirvikalpa, Nirvikalpasana, beyond any kalpana, beyond any idea, they are liberated without a doubt for the time that they can reside in that samadhi. Beyond a doubt. All that is perceived in manifested existence is his own. He perceives the highest principle of existence. He sees the higher than the highest and no other which resides in all. After attaining that blessing which is beyond the worlds, one becomes free from attachment. One becomes fixed in infinite peace, just like our guru, Sri Ma. Whether attained or unattained, whether small or large, only without desire may enjoyment be had, always being satisfied with the manifestations of consciousness. You don't enjoy in the presence of desire. Enjoyment is not the fulfillment of our desires. Enjoyment is becoming fixed and delighting in the infinite peace. And that infinite peace is when we, it comes about as a consequence of our serving Shiva with the energy of Shakti and the bringing the energy up to the Sahasrara and serving Shiva with Shakti.
That's the enjoyment. And that means the Mahayogi, Chief, is the Mahabhogi. <laughs> he is the great enjoyer. The greatest being of union is the greatest enjoyer because he enjoys the entirety of creation. He enjoys all of prakriti. He enjoys all of existence. Always being satisfied with the manifestations of consciousness. The knowledgeable realize all wisdom as the union of the individual with all that is. If you see any duality, <laughs> then we're not realizing the all wisdom is in the unity and the harmony with all that is. He rejoices everywhere in eternal bliss and eternal peace. Wherever such a one is established, that place shines forth with merit. Look at our Devi Mandir. Uh, just look at the example. Wherever such a one is established, she is established here. This is her residence. And that place shines forth with merit. Oh, goddess, the description of a liberated devotee has been explained by me. Oh, goddess, also instructions about the path of the guru to liberation, devotion to the guru, as well as meditation, all have been explained. Oh, one of great mental capacity, Mahamate. Hey, Mahamate. Now, I shall enumerate the effects which come from this Guru Gita, these mantras. Oh, Goddess, for the benefit of the inhabitants of all the worlds, do not accept an attitude of worldliness. Do not accept an attitude of worldliness. Varjate, porbotan. It is prohibited. Nirod. You cannot accept an attitude of worldliness. Those without wisdom who perform actions from worldliness move in the ocean of the gross world Whereas the wise maintain the attitude that all action is not action, even while doing. It's not action. It's not mine. I'm not the owner of this action. I am the car. You are the driver. Just as you drive, just so I run. Do not accept the attitude of worldliness. Move in the ocean of the gross world with realizing, with the attitude that all action is not action even while doing. I'm not the doer. I am not doing this for me, and I'm not the doer, and I am the instrument in your hands, doing the best I possibly can the way you move me, with your guidance, Mother. Whoever, with an attitude of devotion, will recite or listen or bestow a writing of these mantras, hey guys, good work, who will recite or listen or bestow a writing of these mantras, even in digital form, 
didn't really say that. Uh, this is about 500 BC. All of these will produce fruit. Oh, goddess, I have shared the pure principles of the soul of the Guru Gita. For the purpose of destroying the diseases of worldly existence, everyone should always recite as his own. It's the best cure for the diseases of worldly existence. Recite it as your own. Recite it as though you own it. Recite it, recite it as though it, it, it's really true for you as well as for the rest of the world. Even one letter of the Guru Gita is as a king of mantras. Others of the myriad of mantras are not to be valued as the 16th part. That's 1 16th of one letter. By means of this recitation, one attains infinite rewards. By reciting the Guru Gita, one attains infinite fruits. All sin is nullified and all affliction is destroyed. Remember, we were equating sin with confusion, which brought us into the lack of clarity so we couldn't discern which way should we go. And here, we've, by reciting the Guru Gita, we've just nullified all the confusion. We're free from confusion. We're thinking about the purity and clarity and the path and the example of the Guru. How can we be burdened by confusion? All sin is nullified, all affliction is destroyed. It takes away the fear of time and death and destroys all adversity. It takes away the fear of celestial beings, demonic beings, various disembodied spirits, thieves and tigers. It completely takes away all great afflictions and gives rise to the attainment of blessings. Even the ability to hold still one's senses or control one's mind is possible for one who always recites. Now those are attainments worthy, worthy of attainment. To still one's senses and control one's mind by reciting while sitting on a cloth, one becomes beset with affliction. Sitting on a stone gives rise to sickness. By sitting on the earth, one becomes, becomes pained, and upon wood, it bears no fruit. By, sitting while, while, by, by reciting while sitting upon a black deer skin brings the attainment of wisdom, and upon a tiger skin, self-realization. Upon a seed of kusha grass brings the attainment of wisdom, and upon a blanket brings the attainment of all best asan that you could ask for is a blanket. Uh, just get up in the morning, fold your blanket, pick out all the wrinkles, and sit down and chant the Guru Gita. Oh, goddess, one should cover kush grass or durva grass with a white blanket, and then, oh, goddess, he should recite with one mind not mind going everywhere, with one mind focusing upon the bhavana, the intensity, the meaning, the meter, the pranayama, the asana, the mudra, the kriya. Focus on your guru. 
O beloved one should meditate upon the color white for the object of peace, upon the seed of red, upon the seed of red to attain self-control, to remove ethereal spirits, meditate upon the color black, to bring wealth, meditate upon the color yellow. One should recite facing north, desiring peace, Facing east for self-control, desiring to slay all adversity, one should face south, and facing west will invite wealth. All of his existence becomes mesmerized. All bonds are released. It is the cause of the love of the king of gods, Indra. All beings in all worlds are controlled by it. If you love the guru without hesitation, without equivocation, without any, any demure, you are going to change your destiny. You're going to change your position in this world. All existence becomes mesmerized just by looking at someone who's really in love. Somebody who really loves God and serves his guru. It is the Lord of all, the cause of restriction of all iniquity, that which increases good attributes, and that alone which destroys evil action, that which produces the attainments of excellent action. The, the knowledge contained that we've been studying in this Guru Gita, it, it really does a lot. It is the process of accomplishing imperfect effects, removing the fear of the nine planets. You're not affected by astrological configurations or astrological influences, destroying bad dreams, granting the fruit of good dreams. It is the eternal cause of all peace the grantor of children to those who desire, the cause of averting the widowhood of women, and always the giver of good fortune. Yet there's nothing bad that accrues from reciting the Guru Gita. Let's pause here for a while and see if there are any questions. Om Sam Saraswati Namaha Namaste. Yes, please. We have a question from Nanda in San Jose. Namaste, Nandama. If Guru is the king of mantras, then why do we meditate on other mantras like Om Namah Shivaya, the Navarna Mantra, etc.? Thank you. Shiva is the guru of all the gurus. So we meditate upon Om Namah Shivaya because we want to honor Shiva as well. He is the, the guru of all the gurus. And Chandi, Omeng Ring Kling Chamundagi brings us to Shiva because she shows us that the transformation of Sristi Thiti Loi, the creation, preservation, transformation, are moving on the stage of consciousness. If I think that I am the dancer, then I am moved by Prakriti, I'm moved by my nature. And if I make myself the witness, I become Shiva. Each one of the mantras upon which we meditate are effective in bringing us closer and closer to that divine essence. They give us a little different shade, a different color, a different uh, intensity, a different feeling, a different attitude, a different bhavana, a different inspiration, a whole new story, a whole new characteristic. 
Each one of them is applicable in our lives. We are from the tradition of Ramakrishna, which is Sarvadharma Samanya. All the paths are equal. They're all the same. We don't want to just study one path and say, my guru is the only guru and your guru is not. We want to say, my guru is the guru of all gurus to me. As your guru should be to you. And therefore, we worship all the gurus. The guru is Brahma, Vishnu, and Shiva. So we, all the gurus are united in bringing all of us to a greater state of perfection. Uh, in this way, we broaden our horizons and we use our spirituality not to divide us into different religions, different languages, and different cultures, and different traditions. We use our spirituality in order to tear down all the walls and unite us. And that's why we study and practice many mantras from many traditions. We have a question from Ambika. Verse 105. 105. Yes, Ambika, namaste. I understand that the Guru can save us from curses, etc. Does the Guru save us from ourselves, as in the karma we keep creating? And even if she can, will she? Where is the boundary to learning lessons for oneself? Well, we'll learn the lesson, I promise. <laughs> But she can say because she gives us an example of what we could do differently next time. She gives us a inspiration so that we can, are empowered to follow that example. And she tries to demonstrate to us and to control us and to expose to us and to argue with us and to declare to us, if you go in that direction, that's the fruit you can expect. And if you go in this direction, this is the fruit you can expect. Now, which outcome are you searching for? She is the voice of pure reason. She is the voice, she is the attitude of pure discrimination. So, Amika, you will learn the lessons from all the silly things that we all do. We all will learn those lessons. But there's a hope that we will be inspired not to repeat the same class again and again and again. We have a question from Elijah on the same verse. Namaste, Elijah Baba. Verse 105 says the Guru can protect a disciple from the fear of time and death. What exactly is the fear of time? Uh, well, we've, uh, everybody has a certain amount of time to be in manifested existence. And then comes what we call death. That means a transition from this form as we perceive it into another form that we don't know what's going to happen. Now because we don't know what's going to happen, we become hesitant. How many people are looking forward to their death? Not too many. I don't know what's going to happen on the other side. So therefore, there's a fear. When the time comes for me to go, if I can remember my guru, then I will believe that she's going to take me across that expanse into the transition into what I'm supposed to become next. 
She's going to help me and escort me and inspire me and empower me to become the best I can possibly become. And thereby, I overcome the fear of time and the fear of death. I look forward to the transition because I remember Socrates was just about to drink the hemlock and everybody said, stop! What are you doing? Why are you? Many people can enjoy a little bit longer. Why are you in such a hurry to leave? And Socrates said, well, they prescribed the hemlock. They prepared the hemlock. They, they read me the sentence. And why should I wait? What am I waiting for? I believe I'm going to go to that glorious place where all the glorious souls went before me. Now, why should I hesitate? I'm not afraid to go. And he drank the hemlock. And he quaffed it right down. And everyone went, oh, he really did it. Because up until now, it was only theoretical. But he really had the conviction with a capital C that the guru was there with him. And he had nothing to fear, not time, not death, not transformation. He's going to move into what he's going to become next. And in this way, Elijah, if we really have the conviction, we'll grab onto the guru's sari and we'll know that she's going to be there with us when our time comes to make the transition. We won't hesitate, we won't fear. We'll move joyously into the next step of what we're supposed to become. We have a question from Joshua. Namaste, Joshua. Verse 115. What do you mean by the attitude of awareness? Can you expand upon that? Yes, your attitude of awareness is an intensity of reality to you. Oh, how intensely real is it to you, is that attitude? Uh, we talked about the, the various degrees of love. And in, by association, the various degrees of commitment and the various de degrees of faith and the various degrees of uh, absorption. Because when you go into a bhav samadhi, you have a feeling that you are in salokya samitya. You are in the same paradigm of reality as your deity. You are in the same type of karma as your deity. And then you move into thavikopa samadhi and there is a, an attitude of communion. I am and you are. And the relation between us is so much more intense than the bhav samadhi, the Havana says there are three. There's, an, there's a you, an object. There's a me, a subject. And there's a relationship between us. I love you. And in Thabi Kalpa Samadhi, the relationship is so intense, it's understood. There's no word by which it can be defined. Nishabda. And there's only two. There's I and you. And the communion between the two of us is just so intense, so much more intense. The intensity of reality of that attitude of awareness is so much more demonstrable until we move into nirbhikalpa samadhi and we become, in, there's only one of us. It's all we. It's all us.
There is no duality. There is no you. There is no me. There is only we. And in that we-ness, we have such a greater intensity, a greater energy, a greater focus, a greater attentiveness because there's no duality. We're totally absorbed into that intensity of the attitude of awareness. We have this attitude of awareness. I am aware only of us. So in that there's only one. In Bob Samadhi, there's three. In Savikopa Samadhi, there's two. And in Nirvikopa Samadhi, there's one. And two is a greater intensity of the attitude of awareness. And that's what we're speaking of as an attitude of awareness, our bhavana. Two is greater than the three. One is greater intensity than the two. So as we move deeper and deeper into that attitude of awareness, we become aware of less and less. And it becomes sat-chit-ananda. It becomes the true existence. Infinite consciousness is pure bliss. And that's the one contemplation. So that's what we mean by an attitude of awareness. You become aware of your attitude. Yes, please. Verse 132 says that we should always recite as our own. Yes. But oftentimes we want to use the guru as our example to chant like him or chant like her. And, and the objective is not to, to chant it as our own. Can you clarify that? Yes. It will become your own. <laughs> Thank you, Mother. <laughs> it will become your own. The more you chant like she does, the more it will become, like, become, become your own. So the, the goal is to make it as your own. And in, in order to make it as your own, you're going to follow the example of the group. Yes, please. In verse 122, yes. it says that liberation is attained in consecrated offerings. Yes. So should we and would you recommend that we do that, if we can put that into our current practice of the pujas, meditation on soul and hum? Yes, it's there already. But what the consecrated offering is telling us is uh, uh, the offering of kundalini, bringing the kundalini from the muladhara to the sahasra, and that's called buddhshuddhi. So the consecrated offering is the practice of buddhshuddhi. And we're bringing that energy up through the various chakras until we can serve Shiv, the Amrit that we brought with the Shakti and the nectar of immortal bliss that we're going to serve to Shiva and Shakti and they become one. And then we, we enter in the, the two, become Hamsa, Shiva, Shakti. And then they become one in the Bindu. Then they become one in the form beyond all form. In the bindu and then the form beyond all form. So that is already in our puja. In relation to that, it, it does say that mantra, hamsa soham swaha. Can we do hamsa meditation after that part? Absolutely. 
Absolutely. In fact, uh, the four kinds of pranayama that I've been showing you are hamsa meditations. So. So. Those are hamsa meditations. Yes, please. We have a question from everyone. Yes, please, everyone. Why do we ring the bell when we enter the temple? Oh, we want to wake up the gods. We want to let them know we're here. Why do you ring the doorbell when you come to visit Srima? You just don't want to come barging into her living room and say, hey, look at me. You want to say, hey, I'm here. There's a calling bell here. I'm calling on you. I just want to wake you up and w uh, uh, let you know, give you a little warning that I'm coming. And I'm coming to demonstrate the sincerity of my devotion. I don't want to take you by surprise. I don't want to cause you any discomfort. Please put on a robe or put on something appropriate and prepare yourself to open the door. And also bell sound take we all lost together. Yes, it does. But that's how we use the bell in puja rather than as a consequence of, of, of when we enter the temple. When we enter the temple, we're putting everyone on notice. <coughs> Prepare you the way of the devotee. <laughs> But when you, when you ring the bell in the puja, you're creating that vibration which drives the asuras crazy. Uh, no negativity, no duality can stand in the presence of the bell. It just it knocks their socks off. We have a question from Saranya in Walnut Creek. Namaste, Saranya. Pranam, Swamiji and Shri Ma. If someone is away from their altar and does not have a proper asana to sit when reciting the Guru Gita, is it better not to recite the text? Or can we imagine in our hearts that we have the blanket? Oh, the we, just sit on your butt. <laughs> You're fine. Don't worry about that. Sit in your own. Tiko? <laughs> oh, yes. I, I, I sit on your own. <laughs> Give me an ohm where the buffalo roam. <laughs> now, yeah, just sit on your own. Uh, sit wherever you can sit. Uh, if you can't sit on an asan, then don't sit on an asan. Sit on your ass. Um, and make an asan. Well, out of what you ever want to do. Whatever is appropriate for you. Do not refrain from reciting because you don't have the, all the equipment necessary to do the best puja that can be done. Uh, we are not of that status that we have to obey all these rules. You can't chant until you find a black deer skin or a, a tiger skin. Uh, it, don't worry about it. Uh, it'll come when it's appropriate. We have another awesome related question. Yes, please. From Joshua. Yes. Why does it say sitting on the earth brings pain and sitting on wood bears no fruit and sitting on the stone brings rise to sickness? You mentioned there's nothing that nothing bad that can come from reciting the Guru Gita. So why would these things happen if we recite sitting? Well, if you make it as a regular practice, you're going to get a pain in your butt. <laughs> uh, 
And so don't make it a regular practice. Make your regular practice something practical, something that's, uh, that, that works for you, that's in harmony with the scripture. Don't worry about the letter of the law, worry about the spirit. And you, try to be as practical as you possibly can. Don't stop doing sadhana because you don't have the right size bell, or you don't have the right color asan, or you don't, I need this thing and I need that thing, I'm going to the marketplace to look for stuff instead of staying home and doing sadhana. It's a common, it's a common fault. Uh, we, we go out and try to find things rather than stay home and take them all out of the, out of the purity of your heart, out of the garden of delight. Anything you need is present in the garden of delight. Question from Ramya. Namaste Rami, Mami. The descriptions of the asanas and the directions. Do these hold for all scriptures, or is this about the Guru Gita? No, they hold for all scriptures. Uh, they are true in, for, for all different kinds of sadhanas. And uh, you can use these directions uh, while reciting. Uh, in the various shankalpas that you'll take for reciting different scriptures, you can use these directions and these asanas and these colors and uh, various forms of meditation. So they are universally uh, universally applicable. Another question from Nanda. Namaste Nandama. What are the best actions to do so that we can earn the Guru's Kripa? Thank you. The best actions we can do is study the Guru Gita and then act in accord. Uh, everything we're doing, everything we're teaching, everything we're talking about, Nanda, these are all the best things to do. You've got uh, you, you, you've got the study of Sanskrit and the six subjects of Sanskrit and you've got the study of, of, of Padoti and Puja and you have the study of Asan, Pranikam, Mudras, Kriyas. How to do Seva, how to come closer to the Guru. You call her every night. <laughs> I, you're just coming closer and closer and closer. Every time the phone rings when I'm about to take the first bite of my meal and the phone rings and mom says, that's Nanda. You have just moved into our kitchen. <laughs> you come again and again. So all the things that you do to cultivate that unity and that sense of family and that bhavana of, of working together and playing together and sharing together, and, and that, that makes you part of the family of the guru. And that's how. We have a question from Elijah. Yes, Elijah. Does a disciple retain any qualities of their own, or do they just perfectly reflect the Guru with nothing left of themselves? Oh, you'll probably retain a few. <laughs> it's impossible for you to get rid of your complete nature, and neither is it desirable. There are many attributes which you have been collecting since time immemorial, and when you went up to heaven and you got rid of most of them, and then you started looking for what family would be appropriate for me to take birth so that I can manifest my highest potential in my next incarnation, you brought with you those attributes. You brought them back now. Now, you, you, what you want to do is discriminate as to which, which qualities within you are, are going to make a bigger mess for you and which qualities within you are, are going to set you free. 
And wherever possible, you take the attributes and the qualities and the attitudes of the guru and you employ them in your own life. And where it, 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 your own nature will shine through. It will come about. So it, you, you will not re remove all of the individuality from your personality. It won't happen until you move into Nirvikalpa Samadhi and stay there. If you move into Nirvikalpa Samadhi and then come back, then you still have your own personality. You still have your own vocabulary. You still have your own language. You still have your own experiences. You have your own attributes. You have bhasanas. You have all of those things that followed you through your life. And they will continue to follow. If you go into Nirvikalpa Samadhi and then leave your body, then there's a good chance that you can come back without any individuality. Which just like our guru, has no individuality. I have a question on verse 134. Yes, please. It says, by reciting the Guru Gita, one attains infinite fruits. Yes. And I think a lot of texts say that. Yes. What does it mean to attain infinite well, you'll have to attain them and then you can explain it. I would say, nanti nanti. I, I can't tell you all the fruits that you'll find. Uh, but you might get uh, apples and oranges and plums and pears. You might get bananas and we had a watermelon. We had some peaches today. And we, yeah, we had some grapes that are turning into raisins. And we, uh, infinite fruits. You want to go out in the garden and count how many varieties you have out there? No thanks. Infinite fruits. That's sufficient. We have a question from Ambika. Namaste, Ambika. It seems to me that every scripture is important to read. How do we decide which ones to chant? If you have a guru, your guru will, you will decide. You'll follow your guru. What does your guru chant? Some gurus chant Hare Krishna, and that's all you need to know. Other, be, other gurus chant a, a wide range of scriptures and say, hey, you learn them all so you can be in harmony in every temple, in every situation, in every circumstance, wherever you go. Some people say learn a multitude of languages so you can talk and communicate all around the world. You don't just want to live in a, in a we call it a, 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 a bank of quan. Uh, there's a, a, a frog in the pond. You don't want to live like a frog in the pond. You want to live like a frog from the ocean. Uh, the frog from the ocean fell into the, to the well. And, and uh, the frog from the well said, uh, how big is your ocean? Is it bigger than my well? And the frog from the ocean said, Oh, you got to be kidding me. There's no way you can compare the ocean with your well. And the frog from the well said, Oh, you must be joking me. You're trying to put one over on me. There is nothing better than my well. Some gurus will say, Learn about the ocean. And some gurus will say, Learn about the well. Take your choice. <laughs> It's up to the disciple. What kind of guru do you want? Uh, if you like living in the well, then you'll say, gee, I want a guru who tells me about the well. And if you like living in the ocean or the seven seas, then you'll look for a guru who teaches you all the scriptures of all the traditions and says this is how they relate to each other and this is how they work together. The ideal is to achieve self-realization. It's not just to learn about the well. 
Oh, just as is the disciple, so are the gurus that they will choose. We have a, a lot of backlog questions. Okay, so, well, let's hold on to those, and we'll get them. Uh, I'm going to try, as best as we can, to see if we can't complete this tomorrow night, and oh, then... Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you noticed we were going a little faster? <laughs> Sorry about that. And then, if we can complete this tomorrow night, we can start next uh, Tuesday, after the Guru, uh, Guru Purnima celebration is complete. We can start on Tuesday, and we'll go through the backlog of questions, and then We'll start the next text on Wednesday or Thursday. Okay. Good. Om Sang Sarasvati Namaha Namaste.